Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 31, There's a Demon for Everything. This week, we're discussing season 2, episode 18 of Buffy, Killed by Death, and series 3, episode 2 of Doctor Who, The Shakespeare Code. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay, so Buffy time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I like this episode. I think it's pretty good. I, yeah. It it kind of it's it's kind of interesting in that in some ways it feels more like less mythological and more of like the monster of the week. But also, yeah. I kind of like the way that it uses the mythological stuff to mm-hmm. develop character. So even though it's not sure. directly dealing with you know. Angel and the vampires and stuff. It's still, it, it's a plot point that this is following right on from, you know, Jenny's death. You know, right. and that what what could be just like, you know, sometimes that can be difficult. Like when you have a really mythological episode that's really mm-hmm. intense to then go to oh, yeah. like a more sort of lightweight or disposable sort. Of, you know, there can be mm. that. But I like the way that even though this is more one-off it's still you know it it's still really important what Buffy's going through and I kind of like the way that it it does that like it feels less you know less sort of of a one-off that way and more like the sort of overarching development of her character Mm -hmm. yeah no I think that's right I think um it is interesting. Like they do kind of give you a little fake out because you do with the angel stuff and the explicit mm-hmm. references to Jenny, you do kind of get that. Oh, this is going to be another big mythological right, right, episode. Right. Um, so I, I definitely see what you're saying there. Yeah. You kind of get that. Uh, yeah. You kind of get that a uh, bit of a fake out and, and you do end up getting a sort of a, um, different perspective i also like that it shows you a more vulnerable side of buffy Mm -hmm. right she is strong she is um you know she does heal fast but she's not completely invulnerable right she can get sick she can get wounded and i mean not that we i mean we've seen her die before so you know (laughs) i mean like obviously that's that's true kind of but you know we saw her die because she was killed by the master not right not Not from like sort of a natural cause yeah like this is right so this is something that's a little special and but even that there's that hint you know because joyce says you know she never gets sick and she's been so Mm. upset about when she's kind of talking to giles like joyce kind of suggests that maybe even the stress of what happened you know has kind of contributed to you know making her a little bit more vulnerable than she would be. So, you know, she, I like the way that it, you know, she is different from other people. She is stronger, but when, you know, when things can go wrong, they can go very wrong, you know, and, and that the stress of sort of her duty, you know, and her running herself ragged because now, as long as she's kind of made it the mission now that, she has to stop Angel. 
and to her mind, every day that she doesn't stop Angel, she takes on the weight of responsibility mm. for yeah. everything that he does, which, you know, is not really um, accurate. You know, obviously, right. he's responsible for what he does. You know, it, it's it, it's wrong to say that every death is Buffy's fault, but from her point of view, she sees that as her failure and her responsibility. So you can see yeah. that losing Jenny um, and the fear of how many more people are being, you know, killed while she's unable to stop Angel leads to her staying up night after night, you know, running herself thin, and then mm -hmm. that's when you get sick. <laughs> so right, it actually yeah. makes sense. Like, it has, like a pretty interesting sort of character logic to it, which mm. I like. Um, yeah. And yeah, then we get to, absolutely. and then we get to explore all these ideas that, you know, of, okay, once she is sick, what is it that, you know, that she is afraid of and what, you know, what is her fear of the hospital and, you know, mm -hmm. we can get into all that, but I like, I kind of like the way that even though it is a, a you know, a standalone, it also feels very connected to the overall sort of story that is being told. Right. Right. Yeah, no, that's definitely, that's definitely the case. I, um, yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't know that I have anything extremely like, <laughs> uh, enlightening I, to say. I hit the nail that, on the head, but, huh? Um, yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's all right. I guess, I guess I would just say, um, yeah, let's let's go into talking about some of that other stuff that she does explore, because I think that's significant, um, you know, from especially the stuff like the flashbacks to her cousin, Celia. Yeah. And um, who died when she was young in a hospital. And, you know, we've talked about um, like for Doctor Who about the stuff that makes you run behind the couch right mm -hmm. the, the 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 stuff that kids get scared of yeah and and buffy it's all been more about the teenagers you know high school stuff yeah. but this is you know what are the what is the things that we were scared of as children that yeah. still haunt us yeah even though we've quote grown up you know and, right. and that kind of thing so i think it's it's an interesting sort of perspective there too um but also sort of the take on that that I sort of got out of the fear that Buffy develops of hospitals and whatever from her cousin is that it's not necessarily what the grownups think. Right. I mean, you get Joyce, Oh, she's afraid of hospitals because her, her yeah. cousin Celia died in a hospital. Well, that's not quite it exactly. No, <laughs> it's, you know, there's something a little more going on. And, and once again, you know, we get the typical, you know, parental ignorance of what's really going on in the child's life, but it's right. like, this shows how chronic it is in a way, you know, it, in that it's been going on for some time that Joyce just kind of, Oh, Buffy doesn't like hospitals because her cousin died. And right. Right. Well, no, there's a little more just under the surface, literally in this case, just sort of behind the veil of physical sight, you know, yeah. uh, that's, that's going on. So, well, and, and you get that with the kind of, slow reveal through the episode like there's a mystery in this episode to what exactly is going mm -hmm. on that they're kind of teasing little bits of it as it goes on so 
you know, it's kind of like you get little bits of information. Like, well, you know, she's afraid of hospitals. Why is she afraid of hospitals? Because her cousin died. And then we see the kind of dream memory vision of, okay, mm -hmm. not only did her cousin die, but, okay, she saw her cousin's body. Like, she pulled back right, a she curtain. Walked in. And, right. and, the, and then, but that's not it. Because then we get the same sort of memory again. And this time we see that Buffy witnessed the death, which was mm. by, you know, this monster. She didn't realize it was a monster. But what she witnessed was a right. really, really traumatic, you know, basically her cousin was suffocated right in front of her. Um, yeah. And screamed bloody murder until she... So it, it's a far removed from... Buffy doesn't like hospitals, you know, like right, the, right. the way you kind of right. get it's this a much more traumatic experience yeah. than yeah. you're led to believe <laughs> um, yeah. just based on Joyce's right. description of it. Yeah. And, and each time we learn more, we learn, you know, and, a, and we a, learn, a darker we learn it, version of it. <laughs> and we're kind of learning it as Buffy is realizing. It. I mean, that's yeah. that's, I think, the point right. of the flashbacks, right, is is that Buffy sort of realizing it as we're learning it at right. the same time. And it's it's that when you see the same, you know, the pose with uh, Celia lying on her back and her hands kind of up, like she's trying to ward off, you right. know, something. And then we see that same pose with the kids in mm -hmm. the present day hospital. You know, we know, oh, it's, it's actually the same monster that is terrorizing, you know, the children now that has been, it presumably has been doing so all along. Right. Um, though, whether in Sunnydale, I mean, well, cert certainly not in Sunnydale because Celia, Buffy's not from Sunnydale. They move there. Right, right. Well, um, we don't really know. Is this monster unique, or are there more of them? Right. You know, yeah. this could is be. Is it part of a race of yeah, demons? Yeah, this could or be a, a, yeah. a, a thing which exists. Yeah. You know, across the whole planet. You know, for all we right. know. Right. Um, um, so yeah. I think one of the other interesting things, though, too, is the. So right from the title, right, killed by death. Uh -huh. But, um, you know, we do come to see that this demon isn't like the Reaper. It's not like, you know, capital D death. Right. You know, uh, it, it actually is a defeatable power. Right. Sure, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, right. You can it's break his like, neck. Yeah. Right. 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 So he's, it's not, he's not an abstract. He is actually um, a monster. But it is that, you know, again, I think just going back to the idea of, you know, seeing the thing from a child's point of view, uh, you get the, you get that uh, sort of, they don't, they don't know what's going on. And so mm -hmm. it becomes this insurmountable thing, right? It does become a capital D death, uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, being that just simply can't be... Um, overcome until you know buffy comes and right defeats it um right well, and that which is where it kind of feeds into her whole or it, it's not her she i mean she's pretty clear-headed about the whole thing but everyone um we're getting kind of a repeat of of ted where you you the audience and the characters wonder to what extent is she projecting you know so mm. you know because the kids think of it as death. And so, you know, you start to think, well, if it is death in the abstract, obviously that's not something that Buffy 
can defeat or has any control over. You know, the fact that right people are going to die. People are going to die. The, yeah. the 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 thing about children is sometimes they die, you know, and you can't do anything about that. And so that's kind of what, you know, Giles and Cordy, I guess, voices, you know, what if this is Buffy's, you know, again, her sort of putting the weight of the world on herself that it's not only enough that she can't stop Angel, but maybe it's not enough that she can't prevent children from dying, you know, that how far is she going to take this, this, you know, duty that she has as the Slayer? Yeah. Um, you know, and the, and the, the little boy says, you know, you can't fight death. Um, right, right. Which, which is true, from but this his isn't point, death. From his perspective. <laughs> yeah. Right, because well, he right, doesn't right. quite know what it is that's going on, you know. Right, It well, turns both out things. to be some, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, both things, right. Yeah, you can't fight death in the abstract because people are just going to die. Like, you know, you could kill every monster in the world and people are still going to die. Yeah. There are other reasons why people die than just that they're killed by monsters. But yeah, like on the, from the other perspective is from, you know, a child's perspective, especially. And it, and it even goes back, um, you know, to season one, you know, uh, lucky, lucky. uh, Oh, what was it? What was that? Uh, you know, from uh, Nightmares, that episode Nightmares, oh, uh-huh. where uh, I forget the number. <laughs> they kept calling Lucky 19, was it? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, Actually, this episode reminded me a lot of Nightmares. I was thinking yeah. about that. Um, Maybe because of the kid in the hospital. That's kind of right, the vibe and, you get. And, 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 dream, and, I think, and the dream aspect and everything. Right, and I think there's 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 just some... Right, some similarities just yeah. sort of on the surface there too. But I do think that there's it's the it's the monster you can't fight as a child that you have to Yeah. You know, have help overcoming, but as a child you don't necessarily know who can help you or mm-hmm. whether telling anyone is even gonna do anything because a lot of time adults or older children or whatever just don't even believe you, you know, yeah. so um right and that's or, kind of or you feel feel powerless yeah and lucky the, 19 that, lucky that was 19, the number right. sorry i i that was bugging me i had to look it up <laughs> um well and that's kind of i like um how buffy is sort of positioned in this episode as not either a child or a grown-up that she's somewhere in between that she has mm-hmm. the you know she says i'm not all that grown up like she's enough she still has enough of a foot in childhood to have the imagination to believe the kid mm-hmm. and, and, or to not condescend them, I guess would be a better way of, you know, that to kind of try to, to be able to see things from their point of view and understand where they're coming from, but also has some of the power and the maturity that the adult has that she can, you know, right. that she can fight off the monster and- that they can't. And I like that she's just on that cusp that she has to be sick, right? She has to be almost going out of her mind in a way, like, you know, feverish and not fully rational. And you know what I mean? Like she has to sort of, which I think sort of metaphorically is that you, you you know, you have to kind of get out of 
adult mode, right? You have to go back to being the sick little kid who needs mommy or the doctor to help you out, you know, but mommy and the doctor can't help her out. So she still has to, like you're saying, like she still has to be the adult and take care of it on her own. Right. So I like, I like, yeah, which is the danger at the end of the episode in order to fight it. She has to make herself weak enough to see it, but then she can't fight it. (laughs) So exactly. Right. Which I mean, she does, but that's, inherently a dangerous right but again thing. it's on it's on that cusp yeah. it's you know yeah. it it could go either way it's touch and go and yeah and if, and i guess that sort of is implying that xander is the grown-up in that moment but i don't know that's <laughs> that's, a that's a weird we, maybe we're taking maybe we're taking this analogy too far but uh <laughs> um yeah no i i do like they kind of go back and forth i also i wanted to bring up um in one of the flashbacks where we see uh her playing with Celia and, and yeah. Celia keeps calling her power girl. Right. Right. Um, right. So which of she's... course we get the repeated motifs of whatever boy and whatever girl and, you know, like yeah. the, the different names, but like, of course this is, this is obviously a flashback foreshadow. Right. If right, that makes right, any sense right. of, of, you know, Buffy who will someday, yes, actually be power girl. Like she yeah. will have the power that, other people don't have yeah. and and be that superhero type and that um, and that maybe celia instinctively recognizes this that when you play you yeah know. well and 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 buffy too just kind of in in what she's playing like she you know doesn't necessarily know the implications but yeah. maybe there's something inherent in her before she's ever called or summoned or given the power yeah. of a slayer um you know, there's there's something in there that kind of puts her in the position of being power girl, even in play situations, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, she, and apparently she heals very quickly, although I I think we've sort of run across that before, haven't we? I don't remember where, but I feel like, yes, that that was yeah. established at some point that like. Uh, I can't remember where, but I okay. think we have seen that before. Yeah. But yeah, because the doctor is very surprised that that she's not her yeah. like, arm isn't swollen anymore or anything right, like it. Right. You know, like the next day, she seems to be much better. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah. Um. Well, and I like to um. Going back to the 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 monster, the Kindestad, which I like his name too. Um. Mm. But I going with this theme of childhood, of course he would look like Freddy Krueger, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. As yeah, long yeah, yeah. as you're yeah. talking yes. about children well, and monsters that yeah. prey on children and that only children can see and the adults don't believe if you're going to go with that theme, you might and, as well go for a Freddy Krueger looking and, monster. And the dream, the dream yeah. relations yeah. too, right? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So, Un- until being... you find out how he actually kills people <laughs> and then it's like suddenly he can't couldn't be more different yeah but you're right like no that like that almost has to be right. an obvious uh illusion yeah. illusion yeah. Or, or whatever right. yeah the the manner of killing is quite weird <laughs> yeah i'm not quite sure about it. i mean Eyes other than that it's just really his, yeah it's really creepy so Uh i mean other than that i'm not sure what the significance there if there is any yeah uh what that may be um so just um 
I guess taking a time out real quick, just to talk about uh, production sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. This is the last episode we get from the team of Rob Des Hotel and Dean Batali. So we, we talked about them a little bit before Um, they wrote uh, in the first season, they wrote never kill a boy on a first date Mm -hmm. and puppet show. And Mm -hmm. then um, here in the second season. So, you know, okay. First season, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, Never Kill a Boy on a First Date was okay. Mm-hmm. Not a horrible episode. Uh, this season, though, much stronger stories from them with um, yeah. The Dark Age they wrote. Uh, and Phases was the other one that they wrote right. with uh, with Oz, who we haven't seen in a we few We've seen in a couple. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Um, anyway, so, but this is actually the last episode that they that they write for Buffy. So we, we won't see any more from them, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, some good, some good ones, especially this season. Uh, yeah, and 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 it seems like they're more the the sort of the one off uh-huh. episodes, not not the heavy mythology ones. But, right, uh, right. Um, but you know, we can't get those every week, or else I think we've talked about before. Like, you kind of have to have the respite, yes. <laughs> you know, of yes. of the uh, of uh, from from the uh, heavy ones. So. Yeah, you need good, uh, you need a balance of things, I think. Good uh yeah, good one here. So all right. Um production notes interval. Did they are they they're uh, story editors too, aren't they? Didn't they have like another Um I think I remember seeing that in the credits. I'm wondering if they that continue could be, to that work could be. for the show even though they didn't write episodes. They but. They um or if they, they went seem, on to do other things. Yeah, they they've done a number of things, um, both individually and and as a team as mm-hmm. well. So I mean they've and they've done a lot of like one off type type things too. So I don't know if they've like were special guests or okay, uh, you know that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean they, you know they undoubtedly had other other roles. Um, their, their careers, within these first their couple of seasons didn't end here is what you're saying no no certainly <laughs> not and and i you know and i i my notes are all in whatever other episode <laughs> where we talked about mm-hmm. them um all right but yeah they they definitely together uh and 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 again individually kind of went off and and did some other um you know did some other stuff so it's it's not like yeah, it's not like these are the only things that they ever they ever right. did, and and I just without actually going in and and looking oh, <laughs> looking yeah, them all up individually again um, would be hard to to sort of talk about uh, what else they've done, but it would be it would be notable notable things for sure. All right. Uh, well, they did a good job while they were on it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So where should we go next? Well, yeah. So, I mean, we talked about how there was sort of the fake out between um, whether it was going to be a mythology one. So I, yeah. I think maybe let's kind of get Angel out of the way because <laughs> um, we do, you know, we do see him. But he ends up – it's kind of funny because, like, even though we see him, he ends up not being quite as important in this episode as you expect him to be. But right. I do think that it's important to talk about him so that we can go into – who I want to talk about next with Xander. And okay. Uh-huh. Um, so as the link here, yeah. Um, obviously we get right in the beginning, the, you know, uh, when Buffy is, is out sort of patrolling and then the, the other Scoobies kind of find her and they're like, wait, we're going to help you because you're sick. Um, and then angel shows up. 
Right. And that's when you, I mean, and that's sort of what I keep, what I think of when I, when I keep mentioning the fake out is because you see Angel show up and you kind of expect it to be, oh, okay, this is going to be another big yeah. Angel versus Buffy, like, yeah. we're going right. to see another some showdown. Yeah. Um, and then you have this big fight and it's kind of like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, then Angel runs away because the Scoobies pull out some crosses like that. Right. Okay. All right. Sure. Why not? I mean, he's seeing he's outnumbered. So, you know, biding his time, he's more strategic, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you kind of get this. Um, I think we're starting to get and and I don't mean this as like a. Uh, well, let me explain what I mean by it. I, I don't. I think we're starting to get this theme of luck that's in a very kind of Tolkienian way. It's sort of reminding me that we keep getting scenes of Angel. Um well he's either not trying to kill Buffy he's just you know messing with her her. tormenting her messing with her in which case you have Spike complaining about the fact that why aren't you just killing Buffy (laughs) but whenever Angel goes to try and do that something stops him something gets in his way something external that like Mm. and it's it's nothing that anyone could have foreseen it's just the dumb luck you know so right like any other night Buffy wouldn't have her friends out patrolling. You know, but because she's sick. She, and the same thing happened, you know, any other time Angel would have grabbed Xander and bitten him. But it happened to be the night that Xander put a love potion on the whole town. And so all these girls <laughs> show up out of nowhere and Drew right, gets in right. the way and whatever. Like, right. And I don't mean that as like, that's not a criticism. Like it's like bad. I think that's part of the point, you know, like that that's actually, mm. there's something, you know, luck is with these guys you know that you know as angels sort of yeah getting close to you know actually whenever he goes to actually i mean except with jenny um i mean there are notable exceptions to the rule but as far as like the core members of the group are concerned it seems like angel keeps getting thwarted whenever he actually tries to you know yeah there is there is an interesting sort of convalescence of chance yeah. <laughs> involved yeah. like um i i don't know that i would quite call it tolkienian only just because i know joss whedon is not particularly religious whereas tolkien i think in his idea of luck has more of a, a, a like a providential yeah yeah more of a divine hand mm-hmm. maybe in in things or at least a divine musical note, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and things. Whereas I don't, I don't think it's quite the same here, but I do think, I think it's more maybe a situation of, we've talked about even from like the first episodes where, you know, Buffy does have friends and this seems unusual yeah. for a Slayer. And especially when we saw Kendra, we talked about the unusual nature of having friends for a Slayer. Like right. she was very surprised by it. Oh, other people know this. And you know, you tell them that you're a slayer and they help you like, this is weird. Why is this happening? And, and so I think it's, I I do, I do agree with you in the sense that like, there's definitely some, some interesting coincidences going on Mm -hmm. and whether you call them luck or chance or fortune or whatever, like that can be debated. And that's what What, I mean when I say talk, I don't necessarily mean that that is to say that, you know, Buffy's luck is divinely appointed, but that, yeah, but that 
you're not quite sure what it, the nature of, and I think that is Tolkien in the sense that is it, is it providence or is it luck or is it chance or what do, you know, all those things are all mixed together mm -hmm. and you're not quite sure where one Or is it just the logical working out of something exactly. you did, yeah. you know, yeah. earlier that you didn't know was going to have this effect, but hey. But has a ripple I'll effect and a consequence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, Right, like, like um, Xander brewing a love potion directly leads to his own life being saved later. You know, that he didn't do that intentionally, yeah. but... Well, Boy, being saved only to be put into more danger, and yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Right. Well, the so, one one danger saves you from a worse danger, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you know that all these sort of um, it, it's kind of farcical in a way that all the plot machinations sort of you know fold back in on themselves. So you get different yeah. sort of story strands enacting with other ones and everything. Yeah, and 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 I would. Yeah, and and that's going to happen, you know, in in various ways. Um, definitely, I would say for this episode, it goes back to that Buffy having friends, yeah. where as right. a, a Slayer, yeah, no, if, would she, if she didn't have them, and, that this would be it. This would be the last episode you know, of the series. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's the same. Yeah, back in uh, episode two, where you know Xander happens to be with her and helps her get just enough power behind the door to shut it, you know, so the vampires don't get up. Like, I yeah. mean, you know, we talked about that. It's like, it's not like she necessarily always needs a lot of help, but it's just that extra little bit that she gets right. is, is what kind of saves her at right. times. Right. So, um, and that's not this, I mean, clearly she's more powerful individually than all of them. Right. But it's least not than, about that. Than each, yeah. Then, yeah. then each of them certainly, and possibly than all of the others together, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's, yeah, even with that power, she still needs that little bit of help, um, you know, at times and, and, and in different ways from different people. And sometimes with all of them together helping her. Right, so because it's, here it's not like it's Xander or it's Willow that contributes. To it. It's the fact that there's safety in numbers, that it's the group. Right, right. You know? It's all three of them yeah. holding a cross up yeah. and Angel realizing it. And later when in the hospital, Xander pointing out like, yeah, you could probably kill me. Yeah. You might even be able to kill the security guard. Right. And the cops. But the, and the whole orderlies staff of and the, the hospital. But, yeah. but yeah. you know, he throws in there, but, you know, it might be interesting to see. Maybe you can't. How far you know, can maybe, you get? Yeah, yeah, maybe we can't. And, yeah, so, you know, it's, it is that, like you said, it's that, it's that safety in numbers kind of thing. You but, know, but, you and, and, but not even, I mean, in the hospital, safety in numbers and the fact that being in the crowd is what sort of protects Buffy but with her friends it's the numbers is what protects them but you need friends who are willing to go out there you know yeah it, right. that's the real difference is having the loyal friends who without having to be asked just go out and patrol mm -hmm. in order to help and protect mm -hmm. Buffy so and that's a great point for Xander but we're still talking about Angel okay. <laughs> I know I brought Xander up but um yeah I think I think you're right, though. I think that is, you know, you definitely it's definitely it's not just that you have friends. It's that you have friends who are willing to put literally put their life on the line for you, their lives. Um, so. Angel, um, we get the fight at the beginning and then he does come to the hospital. So right. right. So we get the confirmation a, of the public building. Yeah. 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 <laughs> is that where you're yeah. going? That, that was exactly where I was okay. going. So I. I think I mentioned in, in the last episode with 
Jenny when he's in the school. He kind of gives the, oh, I was invited in because the sign says all who want knowledge, you know, come in. But actually he didn't even need it. That's just him being whimsical Mm -hmm. you know the angel found his sense of whimsy so it's (laughs) it's the oh i've been invited in uh you know idea but yeah no it's a public building is a public building anyone can go in or out so it's not necessary uh in this particular instance and that that brings up an interesting um thought too that that i had this time watching around and and i'm not sure that i thought this in in previous watches of this episode but we get that scene where Buffy's saying, I have to go home. I have to go home. I have to leave. And Joyce explains it away as, oh, Buffy just doesn't like hospitals. Yeah. But it's also the protection of the home, mm-hmm. right? So, like, it's it's the, if I'm at home, I know Angel can't get me or any yeah. other vampire. If I'm here, there's the possibility that they can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, of course, that's before she knows about the other thing you know that's haunting the hospital so i mean it's you know but it's never explicit like we never get buffy saying oh yes that's why i wanted to go home it's it's just we see her ranting i need to go home i need to go and then it's you know i tell him giles i need to fight the vampires you know oh she must be delusional (laughs) you know yes i hear it's good to play into their yeah just play along you're a librarian why would you possibly know this you know about I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> delusional uh feverish patients. Um uh but yeah. Yeah, so, no, that's an interesting thought. Um and good you know, that, so I, I, and I again know. good that um the others recognized that, you know, that they didn't just leave her in the hospital, that no, they stay and you know yeah. have And especially Xander. And, yeah. All right, so I, we're just going to talk about Xander. There's not much more to talk about with Angel anyway. So, all right, so Xander. Yeah. Yes, he stays. Um, we're still getting the the back and forth between him and Cordelia, though. The uh-huh. interesting, the uh, the the jealousy, the the mutual jealousies right. now yeah. that we've not necessarily seen as much from Xander as Cordelia in the past. Like we've gotten a few times now, mm-hmm. Cordelia. Oh, you know calling out how much Xander likes Buffy and that kind of thing. Yeah. But this time we see it sort of the other way around when she's flirting to help Xander. Right. It's not even, Buffy. it's like, not even really it, flirting. It's clearly her right. using her feminine wiles to <laughs> get them out of a tight spot. Right. Like it, it's interesting to me how, how Zan- how jealous Xander gets in that situation because she's literally doing it to help him so that he can help Buffy. Like it's, right. you know, yeah. Like, but he does get jealous and then she throws it right back at him. Like, yeah. you know, but you're going to stay here and watch over your precious Buffy. Like that's, <laughs> you know, and the whole, yeah. Watching her butt kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and again, I love how Frank, Cordelia yeah. is. <laughs> I was talking about her butt. Yeah. It's a euphemism. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but. You know, sort of a pun. When, when, <laughs> when Cordelia comes back, I think that's, I think, I almost would say, like, we, I mean, okay, we've seen the episode where she, you know, uh, that we were just talking about with 
the love potion and everything where she kind of walks away from her friends but that's a walking away this is she's coming back yeah and she's coming back there's still you know i don't think she necessarily has the feelings for buffy at this point right Mm -hmm. there's still probably some contention there but she's there with her man so to speak you know what i mean like i mean this is this is her way of saying okay this is important to you mm-hmm. i don't necessarily like that it's important to you but mm-hmm. it's important to you and i'm gonna be here with you that, um, that's funny i don't want to be super cynical because the first the first time i watched it I, that was definitely my feeling was oh look at how nice you know she comes yeah. back to sit with him and brings him donuts you know and this is her peace offering you know that that was a really nice thing the second yeah. time I watched it, I did wonder, is she coming back to keep an eye on him? <laughs> well, but then I don't want to just jump to that conclusion. So you know, you know what? Though? We can watch that's, and see. That's a great point, and I don't think it would be wrong to say both. Sure. Like I, I don't think it has to be just one answer. One or the I, other, and I yeah. think I think when it comes to things like relationships, feelings you know emotions are confusing and contradictory yeah. mm-hmm. and complicated i don't i don't think that it's necessarily wrong to say both of those things are true that yeah. she wants to be with xander she also wants to watch xander yeah <laughs> you know she also wants to well she only cares about being jealous because she wants to be with him you know that the well, one and, and of... because she wants him to be with her yeah like yeah. not to be with buffy yeah. um yeah. so it's and also knowing that, I mean, so clearly, you know, we saw how Xander acted when Buffy was all over him under the spell. And mm-hmm. and he did a good job of not taking advantage of that. But that doesn't mean that Cordelia is necessarily going to just want him to be around Buffy every time she's vulnerable. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. which clearly she is when she's sick in the hospital and, you know, not necessarily thinking clearly (laughs) you know she she is the definition of vulnerable at that point so i don't think it's unreasonable for cordelia to want to be there for both potentially for both reasons now we don't we don't get one way or the other no and that's a nice that's a nice little um just subtle scene you know that there's not a lot of fanfare it's just sort of a quiet character moment and you're sort of left to make of it what you will, which is sort of nice, I think. Yeah. Well, and it's right. And it's coffee and donuts, right? It's, it's the, it's the typical stakeout food, right? You know, it's like, you know, this caffeine to keep you awake, a donut to keep you, you know, well, and that seems like a particularly Xander friendly sort of peace offering. Right. (laughs) Right. If you're like, if you're, this is an implicit apology on Cordy's part. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's something yeah, about it. I, don't, well, I mean, not I, totally. I mean, I think there's an element. I'm not saying she was wrong and Xander was right, but yeah, there's I an don't know if apology it, is right, is, but I know where I, I, I get where you're going. More of with a that, peace yeah. offering than a than a. It, it's a it's a gesture. It's a nice gesture. Right. Here's something I'm doing for you that you like. You know. Right. Xander right. will and, like coffee and donuts. <laughs> and then I'm going to stay with you and yeah. and be here with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that there's no conversation about it. Yeah. It's just, it's just accepted. he accepts it. Yeah. And she sits down and I'm here. Yeah. Okay. That's, well, and that's why yeah. I didn't want to be 
even though I think you're right, like it can be both at the same time. I don't want to be too cynical because I think there is an element of it, which is very nice. And my first, mm -hmm. my definitely my first reaction was like, oh, you know, like that was how sweet really, she came back. Yeah, that was a sweet, that was a sweet right. moment. And I think we're meant to see it that way. Right. She doesn't just go. And I, and I forget even why he sends her away to do something, right? He, he has her go do something. Right. I can't even remember off the top of my head what, what that is, but that she comes back. Like she could have just gone home after that, right? She yeah. could have just said, screw it, you know, whatever, but she doesn't. And so. And I, I don't even know that, does he even really send her anywhere? I think she just kind of is like fed up and just sort of leaves. So. It, uh, it, I No, I thought. I, I thought he asked her to do something. Maybe. Um, I don't remember. I just don't, I just don't remember what it is off the okay. top of my head. Um, so yeah, sorry. I, Oh, that's okay. I can't really remember. Um, anyway, but in uh, any case, uh, yeah, it's definitely her decision to stick by him, which I think is good. Right. Right. Um, anyway, so, well, he does send her to uh, work with Giles, which Giles is less, yes. than, less than thrilled about. <laughs> I love that. I love that scene. Giles totally loses all composure as yeah. any sort of yeah. uh, authority figure. Why do I have to? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> after <laughs> and... after his speech about tact. <laughs> yes. Well, and I love, again, Cordy's frankness. Yeah. Her, her, her response to that is, well, tact is just saying stuff that's not. Or, or tact is just not saying true stuff. true stuff and 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 she's like why would yeah i'll pass why would i want to do that that's ridiculous yeah um and then and, and then calls giles on it when he does the same thing right right exactly nobody exactly. needs tact in front of cordelia everyone just insults her openly yeah um which i mean is kind of what she's going for too i mean she's well, I don't know that she intentionally insults people. She just calls it like she sees it. Right. And sometimes that's insulting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Often that's insulting. <laughs> uh so yeah, it's 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 great. I I love it. I love the 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 frank exchange of uh ideas. I, and I do like <laughs> their her uh I like how into the research she got. Just I mean <laughs> which basically mm. amounts to asking Giles, what every demon is, what is the purpose of each and every demon? Right. Until she doesn't even recognize when he turns it, turns her into one of the demons, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? What's it's... that do? What's that do? <laughs> um. So yeah, so Xander and Cordy, some good stuff yeah. between the two of them. Um, and well, and well, okay. And so we sort of talked about Giles a little bit. Not, not a lot with Giles this episode. Um, no. The, the interesting, the two points of things are interesting to me with Giles and they both are uh, related to Joyce. So maybe we could talk about her a little yeah, bit too. Yeah. Um, one is we've sort of already mentioned the um, Giles joining in on the illusion of not, um, Sort of the going along with, oh, yes, uh, vampires, yes, yes. Yeah, we'll slay yeah. the vampires later. You know, don't <laughs> worry about it. Um, you know, again, sort of feeding into the 
Joyce's ignorance, which we've talked about plenty of times. So don't need to get into that too much. But then um, also the the moment that they have there where Joyce uh, brings up Jenny. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What what did you think of that exchange? this could go one of two ways. I thought I picked up on a little bit of romantic tension, at least on Joyce's end of it. It seemed like the way she said, oh, I'm sorry, I I babble when I'm nervous, seemed nervous in a particular kind of way, you know? Okay. So whether that goes anywhere, whether I'm picking up on anything, I haven't the faintest idea, but it felt like a slightly awkward, you know, in a kind of giggly, nervous sort of way. Right. I mean, clearly Giles's girlfriend just got killed. So it's not like, you know, he's looking for a date. Right. No. And I don't think, yeah, like it wasn't like a ridiculous scene or it was just a hint of it. So I wasn't sure whether, you know, I, I thought that was something I might have picked up on. So. Okay. Um, other than that, I'm trying to think of it if there's anything else. I mean, I'm just other than her. Well, it's sort that, of saying you can come to me for anything, you know, if you need anything. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It, that, that's sort of the. It's not quite code, you know, yeah. but it's it's yeah. I I can see where that it hints that in that out. direction. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, I mean, other 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 than those sort of two. Two things with Giles. Uh, I don't think we get a whole lot more with him. Um, the other, the other thing with Joyce, and I, I guess sort of concerns Giles, but more like it's more like the whole group is when she walks in and is like, "Oh, it looks like I interrupted a, a secret you meeting." You sure did. <laughs> and, and and the the yeah the sort of nervous laughter yeah. that they all give. Yeah, um, <laughs> they laugh a little too hard, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I and I, well, I like them all ordering her around at the end too. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, yeah, it's Buffy is okay. I'm going to milk this. You know, yeah. I've been sick. I'm going to milk it for all yeah. it's worth. Oh, I, I wanted the crunchy peanut butter. Yeah. Okay, fine. I'll get you the crunchy peanut butter. You're my daughter. I, you know, I've done that with my own kids, yeah. you know, I'll, 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 especially if they're sick, you'll, you'll sort of make concessions that you wouldn't normally make. Yeah. But then Willow kind of chimes in and it's, and she's so polite. Yeah. She's just like, Oh, could I, since you're up, yeah. is it too much trouble to ask for? Yeah. Um, and then Xander, Xander is just, is no attempt at politeness. Talk, talk, talk about tact boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's like, no, no, there's another bag of cheesy chips yeah, right I, behind. I, I know the where raisins. your cheesy chips are hidden. I, I've been through your cupboards. Yeah. I, I've taken a catalog of them. Yeah. And... Nope, Xander, Xander the body knows where every <laughs> piece of food is and then, hidden. And then I love that he criticizes her. So so what's yeah. up with your mom trying to hold back on the yeah. uh, snacks here? Yeah. Like this is, and he's got like the it, chips just laid out on his chest. Like it's, it's some like... sort of plot rather than her just not <laughs> wanting to wait on him. Right. Very or funny. to eat all of her food. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, it was a good scene. Anyway, so I any any other major character things you want to talk about? Only that that Willow apparently still suffers from frog fear. That would be the only other. Thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, she's definitely. 
that's her sort of go-to, right? <laughs> you know, the frogs, frogs, and we're me. and we're no nearer to understanding exactly why that is. <laughs> we may never know. Yeah. I will not say one way or the other, but okay. um, yeah. The, I mean, but it's obviously it always comes up in humorous situations. Yeah. So, um, this one. <laughs> There were frogs. Yeah. <laughs> That's all she says yeah. at the end. No more there were frogs. <laughs> they, yeah. Where did they go? I don't know. But okay. Wow. Good. Good stuff. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I thought this is a good episode. Um, definitely, definitely in the. Uh, I would say above average. I think so. I, 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 I think I, so I, because of the way it sort of combines the the mythological arc stories with the more one-off right i think that's and you kind do of get, interesting it's kind of a, a bridge between the two right I, and and you know like we started talking about buffy and and kind of focused on her for most of it you do still get the the sort of significant although small uh moments between the other characters so i don't yeah. think it's you know even though not a lot it's it, it is definitely some good stuff mm-hmm. so i think you're i think you're right um but on to doctor who move on moving on uh so uh not in the same way that the buffy episode was about buffy go figure Uh um but i do think we get some interesting stuff about martha Uh here and so we have you know again new although not brand new i guess at this point we know a little bit about her but she's still a new companion this is her first official trip in the tardis mm-hmm. right yeah. so we're we're um you know along for the ride with with that yeah but uh a couple of things i guess you know i just and again we're gonna have to make allusions to rose yeah. because you, you know yeah. there are comparisons i mean you, you you know it's just gonna be natural um i was i was interested interested to see right at the beginning how much more concerned she seemed to be about the technical aspects of time travel mm-hmm. right so rose didn't see like rose was just whoa okay we're in dickensian england that's great yeah. like let's hop out and go you know get dressed up and yeah go see whatever yeah um martha is not concerned about the getting dressed up and going and seeing things. Although she, you know, does want to go see the Globe Theater or whatever. It's the, aren't we going to, you know, affect the timeline? Aren't right. we going right. to, you know, isn't there going to be repercussions? What if I kill my grandfather? Well, were you planning to? No. Okay, then. Let's, <laughs> yeah. Like, like you almost get the doctor being somewhat exasperated with that aspect of it. Like, right, right. you're overthinking it. Right, you know, you're, right. you're, you're scientific doctoral mindset yeah. is is actually helping to prevent us you know why would you go stepping on butterflies and, <laughs> what like, have butterflies ever done to yeah. you <laughs> what have they ever done to you yeah so well, and I, I just as a little like n- nugget i like that her the things she worries about are the two you know main conundrums of time travel which is the butterfly right. effect and the grandfather paradox she's worried right, she's right. going to step on butterflies and kill her grandfather like <laughs> she's clearly read ray ray bradbury right like right she's sort of you know we've talked about that last week educated maybe in a way that rose wasn't so she's yeah, although apparently she's never read heinlein because she doesn't consider the fact that she might be her own grandfather <laughs> but we'll disregard that for a moment um 
but yes, no, you're right. I and and I did pick up on that that it, it's sort of the classical time travel conundrums, yeah, like you said. Yeah. And it's but but it's I think it also goes does go to show that part of her personality that she is like we said before she is the more deductive, mm-hmm. educated uh thinker in that way um yeah well and, and she is kind of approaching this as a scientist rather than as just a tourist mm-hmm. not that she doesn't enjoy the sightseeing but she also wants to know how does the tardis fly and did you have to pass a driver's test and you know mm-hmm. to what extent right, right. what am i allowed to move around and you know right. what's going to happen and, and, and historically yeah. you know aware of yeah hey this is a time when people who look like me didn't have such a good go of it you right, know like right. you, you know am i gonna be carted off as a slave yeah and thankfully she's not um That's although true. you know they do end up in an insane asylum and she's not very happy about that no. <laughs> um well i mean you know they're there willingly but at the same time uh so yeah so i i thought i thought that in particular was a was a interesting way you know and and we did talk you know before about it's not it's not that rose was dumb she was ignorant in certain ways and 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 even her her concerns were in in different places so it i think it's a good contrast but not it's not like they're opposites per se you know it's just that they're focused on different things and have different skills so i think it's it's interesting to to sort of see all of that um, yeah. play out here, but <laughs> I do love then also the areas where she is kind of ignorant. Like I don't know that Rose would ever say verily forsooth egad. <laughs> you know, like like Rose just seems to have more of that persona of just sort of understanding the right thing to say, whereas Martha, right. Although it's a specific callback to tooth and claw when rose when the doctor adopts a scottish accent and rose tries and he says no no don't do that and again we get someone trying to adopt the local language and the doctor being embarrassed and just saying no no, don't don't even try just 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 stop (laughs) right so here's a question so like we we know the TARDIS translates. Does it translate between dialects of the same language? So are we getting like a translation of Elizabethan English, English into uh... As a question I'm not qualified to answer. I have oh, okay. the slightest right. idea. I mean, right. it kind of seems like that because even though occasionally the language is sort of antiquated, it's not strictly Elizabethan. You know, like I don't think, I think we are getting some we are meant to get be getting some translation, you know, that right, right. Shakespeare and his, you know, people seem modern enough that I think we're meant mm-hmm. to understand that this is in some way translated. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but you get like the recognizable lines uh, from Shakespeare. So yes. like they're, you know, but again, those are ones that would be part of today's language because right. everyone knows it. So it's yeah. maybe not, doesn't have to be translated. Um, I also, I, I love where, where, uh, uh, the doctor quotes Dylan Thomas yes. at Shakespeare. <laughs> and Shakespeare. And Shakespeare tries to steal it. Right. <laughs> right. He's Shakespeare, like, oh yeah. I'm, Shakespeare I'm steals everything. Yeah, I yeah. kind of like that. It, Shakespeare stole all his plot. So why not have him steal all his great yeah. lines too? I'm you know, sure. At least a few of them. He probably did. Yeah. Um, 
No, but, I, I, that's a great recurring joke of which right, lines right. did Shakespeare get from the doctor, who was actually just right. quoting lines from right, other people. Right, right. Um, yeah, or or from Shakespeare himself. Or from, and yeah. I, I, and there's the, I forget which one in particular it is, but Shakespeare's like, oh, I'm going to use that. Wait, that one's wrong. <laughs> I already <laughs> like, wrote that. Oh, I actually, wait, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he gets confused about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did, so we were talking about Martha. We at were, some point sorry, there. we got distracted. So her, um, her attempt at Elizabethan, verily. Yeah, her, her attempt <laughs> Elizabethan. Um, but then also, I guess the surprise, well, I, I, and maybe not surprising per se, but just the, then it's like, she's a really rabid Harry Potter fan. She is. Apparently, <laughs> I love that they use Expelliarmus to solve yeah. to finish the the yeah the poem at the end. <laughs> yeah, and well, and and the whole it's just a moment of uh, pop culture. Doctor Who quoting Harry yeah. Potter in a Shakespearean drama is like right, right. pop culture, you know, apotheosis or something. <laughs> um. And and how excited he gets when he's like, oh, you you got to read book seven, right? You know, because of course, book, book at this seven. point, that hasn't been published yet. This is right, right, coming out it, in and it two thousand. This is it a took little me a bit, minute because I had, a little bit less than a year before book seven was published. So. Yeah, it took me a minute to to figure that out. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, wait, when when was this right. exactly? Right. So but, he's been to the future. He's read it already. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that. That made me consider, like, oh man, if only I could read whatever I wanted to and not really have to worry about time. That yeah, would be awesome. Right. I want. I would have a TARDIS just for that. Right to go just, get books from the future. Yeah. Well, and just so that I could read stuff and then, you know, take the laundry out. But I have read eight books in between. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> time when I was doing my laundry. Um, anyway, so yeah. Wow. Way off track. Um, no, apparently Martha does like does like Harry Potter, I, and and so I'm sort of assuming that that's going to become a recurring thing. Although maybe maybe it's I not. I don't think so. I think it's just no. in this episode. No. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm wrong. Then, but I, th- I mean, that's not, not to say she isn't still a Harry Potter fan. But I think it's it's a, a thing in this thing because of the witches. Because that's to right. to a modern right. to a modern girl what's your reference for witches and magic? It's Harry Potter, you know? And so it's getting at this theme of, again, with having the doctor quote Harry Potter next to Shakespeare, it's getting at this idea of all of art is kind of equal. That, you know, that Shakespeare isn't on a pedestal. He was, as the doctor says, popular (laughs) entertainment for the masses. He's, you know... He, he was what was, you know, fun and cool and body to go and see. And, you know, how is that any different from Harry Potter or Dylan Thomas or Back to the Future or any of the other number of mm-hmm. pop culture pieces that they sort of reference, you know. That, right, right. And, and they're all... They're all like the TARDIS. It's all that the box with the power inside, you know. It's mm. the getting this idea of... I think art and storytelling, which is kind of, but kind of a fun spin on it because what it's saying is they're all kind of the same and they all, you know, are fulfilling, you know, enlightening in the same sorts of ways. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's it's interesting too because even while they're talking, you know, giving that impression and and sort of talking about Shakespeare in that way, yet it continues to look at Shakespeare as someone who is a genius. So it's right. it, it it's marrying the lowbrow and the highbrow. Right. Right? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It, you're not just saying, oh, well, no, Shakespeare actually was just a body writer. Like, yeah. well, no, but he's still a genius too. Like, yeah. it's like, you're not, you're not making that somewhat false distinction. I think, you know, that mm-hmm. a lot of people do perhaps tend to make that, to be Shakespeare, you have to be haughty and, you know, lofty or whatever. Like, right. no, it, you can actually be a bonafide genius and still like fart jokes or whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever the Elizabethan equivalent of that would be. Actually, no, I think that would actually be probably fart jokes. he has a couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's. And, and, and yeah, the buildup of the doctor. Oh, yes. You know, it's the greatest mind and whatever. And they could. You know, shut your you know whatever um Uh, never meet your heroes (laughs) yeah exactly so um but then we get we we do get those hints of you know oh shakespeare actually can tell this is not psychic paper so only really intelligent people seem to be able to do that or people who have been trained or whatever you know like it's it's you know it it sort of does set him apart still in that way right Um, right well, no, he clearly and, hasn't been trained, but he just sort of uh, senses. Right, he, right, He can right. see the truth behind the false, you know, right. layer on top. Right. Um, but then, again, as if we haven't contrasted enough things together, uh, then you also get the, the his very offensive talk to Martha in the beginning, you know. Uh, my delicious blackamore lady yeah. <laughs> and, and you know like it's just like and 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 the idea um that martha brings up of when they're in that quote hospital you know the insane asylum bedlam mm-hmm. uh you know that that idea that she sort of brings up of like you know i thought i thought you were like intelligent yeah. like can you not see how bad this situation is and shakespeare's like well, no, this this very thing is what cured me from being mad or from going mad or whatever. It's the fear of this place. And, and it's like, you know, and it's that same sort of thing where you, you think, like, how could people like Thomas Jefferson own slaves? Mm-hmm. Or how could, you know, people in a different time have thought such things that we today would shudder at thinking, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, it... I don't know. I guess it, it it just it just goes to show you just even like the doctor said right at the beginning. It's like actually things aren't that different. There are still, you know, like and he points out, yes, funny, humorous recycling and water cooler talk, right. and, you know, that kind of thing. But like sort of deeper embedded in the episode are these things like, you know, yes, you can be smart and yet like body humor and you can be smart and also not really see the flaws in your own arguments, yeah, you know, or, yeah. or, 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 in your or own not culture. even arguments. Yeah. Yeah. Your own culture or your own beliefs or, or whatever. So like, it's, yeah, that idea that there are things much 
more complicated. Uh, Just even like we were talking about with Xander and Cordy, like, you know, her feelings were more complicated and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, like this, this is the same type of thing. Like Shakespeare may have been smart and he may have written nice words, but he lived in a complicated time and there were complicated things. And yeah, he might've been a little bit racist and a little bit bisexual and a little bit, (laughs) you know, uh, all of these other things and that, you know, he contained multitudes. Right. (laughs) Um, Right. As we all do. Um, so anyway, we ran way over, like we, this was not even like, a semblance of talking about one particular character. I know. We but. we keep getting on Martha and then she leads us elsewhere. Yeah. Well to yes. her credit, she kind of takes the political politically incorrect uh you know, conversation fairly in stride. I think she's more like bemused by it than anything else. She kinda looks at the doctor right. like am, am I hearing this? Like Yeah. Is this, this for is, real? This is a right. new experience. Yeah. Um, um, and then you get the reveal at the end that she is Shakespeare's dark lady. <laughs> so, so there yeah. you go. Or I see, I was so okay. I wasn't quite sure how to take that uh-huh. because, like, yes, you get Shakespeare quoting it, but you also, I also got the feeling of like, is this just like the the sonnet he uses on every girl he's maybe, trying to pick up. Maybe. You know, like, is this like, oh, this is my go-to, you know, pick up line. This is my go-to yeah. pick up sonnet. You know, like, yeah. shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Yeah. No, I mean, that's <laughs> How definitely... many other women has he said that to? <laughs> that's true, except that, you know, for that sonnet in particular, it is known as, you know, to no, the dark I... lady. Like, it has, it, it specifically, right. you know, invokes an image of somebody of you know, non-white complexion. So it kind of, you know, it does make you wonder, did he write it for Martha? Or maybe he wrote it before and it just fits her sort of, you no, know, more I, neatly. I get it. So. And, and I think you're right. I think sort of the intent is to see it as a extemporaneous, yeah, you know, yeah. composition. No, but definitely, that. I mean, that's people who who don't even really know that much about that sonnet. That's the archetypal Shakespearean sonnet isn't it that's the line that everyone knows um so it definitely fits as you know just the kind of go-to ode to a beautiful lady you know to sort of win her over right 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 yeah I know I and I think I think just again just going back to Xander and Cordy I think it's okay to see it as As either or both or or to be a little bit unsure about what it is. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily think we have to have an answer there, but yeah. I, I just wanted to sort of point out that there was that other possible interpretation. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, Oh, 57 academics just punched. The <laughs> um, this, this is, I want to say a quick, just to, you know, make sure I mention it. So this script is written by, um, a writer called Gareth Roberts, and he does tend okay. his scripts do tend to be funny. That he doesn't write your serious dramatic mythology. He writes your comedy episodes, you know, and mm-hmm. that's fine. That's there's nothing wrong with that. This is a very funny episode. Um, 
So just and somewhat kind of, irreverent. Yes, <laughs> and and those kind of meta moments where there's right, a wink yeah. at the audience a little bit that like, you know, the, the doctor apparently just proved something which. 57 academics believe and they punch the air because they're watching the episode that there's kind of like right right right. you know a nod to the audience there so you get those kind of little ironic moments not quite breaking the fourth wall but but acknowledging there's a fourth wall that exists hinting at it yeah 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 and yeah i I like that line a lot (laughs) at least the doctor is aware of the scholarly you know, debate over right. Shakespeare's sexuality. Which, yeah, which again is like, so he's not just reading Harry Potter. Right, he's, he's reading, reading like Shakespearean criticism. Academic yeah. criticism of Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's which is kind of a really funny idea, I think. Yeah. Um, well, and you've been around as long as he has, and he's got a great memory, so, yeah. you know. Um, uh so I, I keep calling you back to Xander and Cordy and all this, but mm-hmm. there was one other moment. Um, well, and okay. So they're lying on the bed. Right. And it's almost doctor, a direct there's, quotation. From there's Xander there's and something Cordy. I'm missing. It's staring me right in the face and I don't even know yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> like, hello. That's like what Xander was saying yeah. way back. You know, yeah. was it season one or was it earlier this season? I can't remember exactly. I think it was, it was season one, but he's, yeah. he's, repeated it a couple times right 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 and it's and it's yeah it's that yeah you don't see what's right in front of you kind of thing and 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 obviously you know it seems obvious that martha's thinking one thing and Uh then oh the well rose would know right rose would know no if only rose was here uh, yeah, you can't you can't help but feel bad for Martha no, in that it's, moment. It's, it's very it's painful. Um, you know, and and that and and the at least in the beginning, a, a few times you get the reminders of you're only here for one trip. Yeah, you know, I'm going to take. Well, I'll take you back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Fine, we'll stay overnight. I guess we can stay a little longer, but I'm taking you back tomorrow. Like it's it's just. Uh, yeah, yeah, just that you know that he's thinking of this as something very different than than he had with Rose, which I mean, it should be. She's a different person. Yeah. But it's you know, it's that that reminder. Right. Uh, but there's the constant in different it's, ways. It's the it's the comparison, which we're doing, you know, to be fair. Yeah, you know, we you are right. You can't exactly. you can't help it. Um which is maybe one of the reasons why I think people have difficulty with Martha maybe unfairly is that mm. you can't help but compare. I've had people who have told me they really dislike Martha. And and and, and it's not really warranted. What's she doing? She's doing nothing wrong. You know, the the girl does not deserve that kind of you know betrayal. <laughs> yeah, for not being Rose, but but we're right there with the doctor. You can't help it because she's coming Right, right behind, you have, yeah. You have to compare. There has the to be comparison. You, you can't, and you can't and unfortunately, not. he's not in a place where he's self-aware enough to realize, you know, how hurtful, you know, the comparison well, is. It, you know, and it's funny because it it almost reminds me of his. Um, 
I, I actually just rewatched the episode of Rose the other day. Um, right after I had seen the first row, the first episode with Martha, the first Rose, I almost, that makes no sense. The first episode <laughs> with Martha, um, incidentally, not because of that, I had, I had rewatched, um, Rose right after that. And, and I, I found, I found it interesting because it, it almost seems like here he's doing very similar thing that he did in that first episode where he kept forgetting Mickey. Mm-hmm. It's like here now he's forgetting that Martha who's with right. him. Who's the companion. There. Right. Yeah. Right. And because he's still thinking about Rose. Yeah. Um, although, you know, before with Mickey, it's cause he was thinking about saving the world and this and that and the other thing. Right. But it's like, you know, again, like he's so involved in, in just what he's doing that he's, well, he literally is not seeing what's right in front of his face. Yeah. And he's he's making these comparisons and, and has no idea of how they're affecting her and sort of gets put off when she's put off right. <laughs> by the fact that he's not even uh, able to see sort of that she's there and, and willing to pay attention to him. Yeah. Um, And so, of course... You also have to think back to the last episode where she tells the doctor she's not even interested. Right. And so you're sitting here and looking and you're saying, really? Yeah. Not at all? <laughs> I don't like like that. Not, even, yeah. not even a little bit? Yeah. Um, and Shakespeare picks up on it, too, yeah. Yeah. because he says to her, the doctor may never kiss you. Why not entertain a man who will? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's... Yeah, and I think we're, again, we've seen Shakespeare see through the psychic paper. I think he's a genius. We're meant to see him as the person who sees the truth in humanity, you know, who who mm-hmm. sees through the facade to, you know, what's underneath, you know, or right. even, at least recognizes when there's a facade. He doesn't quite know the mystery of the doctor, but he knows that there's a performance element, you know, we don't ever really get to hear what he means by that. But, you know, he well, says something yeah. about this constant performance. Right. So I think we're meant to, when he says that about Martha, and clearly, I mean, the doctor doesn't notice her, but we sure do. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, she's all kind of, there's a awkwardness with getting on the bed for her that isn't there for him. And once she's on, you kind of get that idea that, where she might be hoping that this goes somewhere or, you know, right. it's just... only awkward because she cares Yeah, and yeah. it's not awkward for him because he doesn't. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And she only really, I mean, she's kind of disappointed when he talks about Rose, but she really only gets annoyed when he says, I'll take you back home tomorrow with the, the mm-hmm. just the dismissal of, cause again, what did she do? That was, there's nothing she's doing that which is inadequate in any way, but the kind of well, you're a novice doesn't matter. You're going right. home it's, anyway. Um, he's just paying off a debt yeah. by letting her travel with him for this one trip. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a I enjoy your companionship yeah. <laughs> in any sort of way. Yeah. It's it's a okay, you did me a favor, you know, back with the whole hospital thing. So yeah. All right, I'll I'll give you one little joy ride here in the TARDIS, which came out way worse when I was saying that than it <laughs> meant it in my head. Um, but the the yeah, just right, like it's okay. 
you did me a favor, I'll do you a favor, and then we're even. Yeah. And, and, and we'll go our separate ways. And you know what? Don't worry if you don't have any good suggestions about it because you don't really know what you're doing. And it doesn't matter because you're going home anyway. So. Although Rose would have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rose would have had some good suggestions, but you don't need to worry. You don't about need it. to worry about it because you're, you're not, not staying, you know, so. Right. And I'm taking you home tomorrow. Yeah. So it's not a big deal. I'll figure this one out. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's a, horrible. It's a shame. It's it's a real, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that at this point. Um, so maybe we should talk about other things. <laughs> um. Although there's not a much, not much to talk about, I think we've hit a lot a lot of the uh, a lot of the the things here. Um, the monsters in this episode, okay, witches slash alien, yeah, Carrionites, um, that's great. Uh, I guess the most interesting thing about them for me was the whole idea, and and of course, obviously, bringing in Shakespeare and mm-hmm. and fitting right in with the episode is the idea of the power of words. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I, I was mentioning to you right before we started recording here, I got a very uh, wizard of earth sort of feel as, as I was watching this episode. Um, yeah. And so for anyone who doesn't know, that's a book by Ursula K. Le Guin um, in which the main character Ged is, uh, it so, sort of tells it's like his coming of age story. He, he, and how he becomes a wizard. Um, and, and in the land of Earthsea, there's uh, a very distinct tie between magic and words as, as there are with other magical stories and realms, but um, more so in particular with this, where, you know, there's, there's power in words, especially in the naming of mm-hmm. things um, and, and identifying the names of things in um the true language, right? I, I forget exactly the, the, yeah, the, I don't remember what um, terminology they use, but uh, right. That, that you have, whether or not it's, you know, the, the name in which you're known by, you have in some sense, a, a true name, a true, which is unique and, and mm-hmm. intimately and connected people, to you. And people who know that name have a certain power over you and, and, right. and they're, you know, as you develop friendships, you may reveal that to certain people, um, because you trust them with it. But then obviously there may be nefarious uses Mm -hmm. whereby that. So anyway, so I, I saw a lot of similarities, um, between here. And then of course, with Shakespeare being the wordsmith that he is and, and sort of the whole, you know, at the end with the doctor saying, just trust yourself to come up with the right words. I mean, that, that, that was interesting. Um, I thought, um, yeah, my my and, my main I think the main thing in which this episode is a little disappointing is that they're never going to write Shakespeare, which is satisfying. You know, you well, really, yeah, you, yeah. But I mean, who a, could? You can't. And so there's sort of a built-in flaw, which is that the final climax isn't as impressively Shakespearean as you wish it would be. Right. That's, well, you know, and you but, almost wish they could have taken an actual passage. Right, right. But they can't um, because we don't have Love's Labor's one. That's the whole point is it was lost. <laughs> so Right, but well, but at the end there it was, uh, the very end it was was uh, sort of extemporaneous. So you, you could have come up with something that he wrote later, you know, right. than, than that particular year to. Right, I although, know, I mean, although it has to be. 
I don't think it can have been anything you wrote because the whole idea is that it gets lost and that that's why we don't. No, no, have no. I'm just play. I'm talking about for when he closes because that's not something that's written down. Right, but it, but when it he can't, closes the but portal. it can't be because it has to be something which doesn't exist. You see what I'm saying? Like, because Love's no. Labor's one is a lost play, which right. But which what we I'm saying is, about. I'm not talking about Love's Labor's one. I'm talking about when he closes the portal. Which is extemporaneous. I see what you're saying. And okay. and so he could have it could have been something that, that he incorporated he into later, later right. on. I got gotcha. you. Right. Right. Which but it, but I mean would, that, that's just. But would it have formed a rhyming couplet with Expelliarmus? Yeah. No. Well, I'm not saying there's not flaws in doing that. It may have been less flaw y yeah. than than yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. I you know. I didn't write the episode, so, you know, I can sit back and complain about it. I um, certainly wouldn't want to <laughs> imitate Shakespeare's iambic pentameter, so uh, yeah, better yeah, leave that yeah. to other people. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, we recognize that that's the case and, I guess, move on. <laughs> um, although I did like, it, it sort of in that same vein, <laughs> I did like when, when Shakespeare's trying to break up the... Uh, you know, the play to stop it, you know, and, and you've got the two guys who are trying to imitate Shakespeare saying, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, please forgive our will. He <laughs> had the beer and got ill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, like, they you, can't you, imitate you, Shakespeare yeah, either. yeah. Yeah. The, the actor should not extemporize no. <laughs> in any way. Um, yeah. But the uh, but like it works in that instance, right? It's it's bad poetry, but we know yeah. it's bad poetry, and it it works because they are not Shakespeare. Not they poets. are yeah. they are the the actors yeah. uh, in his company. Um, I on the but, theme of um, the names too. I I I think it's interesting that we again we get the kind of allusion to the da- the doctors. Lack yes. Of a name. Well, and I meant to bring that up before we got distracted. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I, I, I mean, we get the, the the invocation of um, Rose, which has a sort of power over the dog. It has the power to get him angry, mm-hmm. you know, that, sure. that keeps him fighting. Um, but then also that his... Although presumably she's too far away in another dimension or whatever to right. No, like I don't think she's be been like affected by it, but it has, I don't think it has a literal power over him, but it has a power. Oh yeah. No, it definitely, that, you know, stirs up emotions yes. if nothing more. Um, yeah. And, Which is true of, of just words in general. I mean, yeah. words have that sort of power to evoke, uh, you know, emotional responses. Um, so, yeah. Which yeah. is, which is the whole scene in the globe, which they actually filmed this in the reconstructed globe theater in case you couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, sure. Seems. Why well, could it's the 14 sides is what through, yeah. you know, what totally yeah. sold it. And clearly it's bigger than like the normal kind of movie sound stage that they normally would film on. But, um, fair enough. It, it looks more impressive, I think, but, um, global, a little more global. Um, yeah. but, um, where was I going with that? Oh, his whole, his whole, <laughs> when they're kind of in the round itself and talking about, you know, talking about the theater being magic and, um, right, right. and, you know, that words have power standing on that stage, you know, that you can change people with, with what you right. say and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But back to the doctor that we get that there is no name and that the doctor doesn't have, or power at least that she can't and, find it. Well, exactly because yeah, the name she finds, which is the doctor, doesn't have any power over him. Um, right, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, because that's his adopted moniker, right. but it it's not his his name. true name, right? In the in the um, kind of Ursula Le Guin sense, you know that right, right. his true name is hidden. It's just it yeah. just builds up that kind of well, sense and it's of funny. mythology and it's funny how how they sort of pick that out, right? So she she obviously has no trouble getting Martha Jones's name right. able to make a little rhyme out of it and whatever. Um, and the others that they, you know, come into contact with, they, they have the names, but then it's interesting to see the doctor go through that same process, but you see him, right. Cause he talks, he always talks his deductions out. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it's, you, you know, you see the, you know, he's thinking of what, what is, what types of creatures can do this sort of thing? And, right, and, right. you know, where can I, where could I find that? And 14, that has significance. And it's, it goes back to, um, that, that first, uh, is, is it aliens of London where he's running through, like, give me more data, mm-hmm. give me more mm-hmm. data. And, you know, he's talking to Rose and, and Harriet Jones, not Martha Jones, but yeah. Harriet Jones yeah. and, and saying, uh, you know, kind of running through, you know, all the different possibilities and, and, and whittling down, whittling down, whittling down yeah. until he gets to the one that's right. Um, and it's on a smaller scale here, he's doing that same sort of thing, pulling in the data that he knows to, yeah. to do that. And, and, and it's, you know, and again, the, the sort of the convergence of, uh, magic you know, and technology, it's, it's the Arthur C. Clarke, mm-hmm. you know, the, any, any sufficiently advanced technology is basically going to look like magic to the people around you. Um, and that comes up in a couple of places. It comes up with the doctor when he explains how the guy died from, you know, bad humors, right, <laughs> you know, right, like yeah. foul humors, uh, an imbalance or whatever it yeah. was, uh, you know, but then, you you sort of get the other side of it when the witch pulls out her little voodoo doll, right. you know, or whatever yeah. it is. And he's like, Oh, well I call that a DNA repu- replicator. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah, but, but it's, to us with, you know, you stick a pin in here and it, yeah, yeah. you know, makes and, you. And she says, what use is your science now? Like you call it whatever you want. I'm still going to kill you. And then flies off. And so, yeah. you know, like really what's the difference, you know? And I, I kind of like, the the idea of the Carrionites using words like we use math that you know that they you know that they use a different medium in which to change reality around them which is what, right you know he makes the illusion of you know splitting the atom that we can change right, right. the physical world through the medium of science and mathematics and that they do the same thing with language that's kind of a interesting sort of idea yeah well and it's and it it brings up um so it makes it 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 sort of ties the idea of language and and incantation or invocation or whatever Mm -hmm. to you know a sort of a quantum level Yeah. yeah like it's 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 you don't know how they do that but it you know it at least gives a 
I mean, it's somewhat techno babble, but it's, yeah. it's, you, you know, it's, it, it, it's As at least always. like, a, <laughs> it, it's at least like a, something towards a, a plausible explanation of, mm-hmm. of how these things are happening. Yeah. I still have yet to read, by the way, that, that whole, uh, paper written by the physicists on, on the, on the physics of Dr. Who. So oh. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to get to that at some point, but I, I, I'm afraid that there may be spoilers. So I've, I've well, they, they had that special and he did like a special on BBC America and it wasn't very oh, okay. spoilery. It was more like him talking through like some of the bigger concepts, like is time travel possible? Why or why not? You know, what mm-hmm. is it? that physically makes it impossible. So he talks about being unable to break the light barrier and all mm. those. Ki- so it's more, it was more conceptual than anything else. So it was yeah. pretty interesting. Sure. Um, I have at least one other thing I want to mention, okay. uh, which is um, Queen Elizabeth. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, go ahead mention uh i just wanted to mention it but i don't i want to flag that so do you have anything to say about that i mean obviously it seems like we're going to see her at some point in the future if only because the doctor says he hasn't seen her in the past yet clearly she seems to know him and is is going after him so um yeah i mean obviously we already brought up this isn't the first queen he's met so the implication could either be that she has met him directly, which I think is the implication we're supposed to have because she sees him right on site. Like it's not right, like she, she has recognizes to ask his name. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's also presumably some, well, I guess we saw queen Victoria before. So Torchwood hasn't been created yet. Right. Right. Um, Right, but there is that motif there, of queens of England being the enemies of the doctor. Yeah, well, and there's a possibility that he's gone even further back in time. So even though Queen Victoria isn't around yet, like there still could be records that the queen is privy to mm-hmm. about the doctor mm-hmm. to make him even, you know, more a threat in his eyes. I, you know, and it's interesting to me because we we do have this recurring motif of the doctor being a threat to the government of England, whatever it may be, whether Whether, it could be Harriet Jones in, you know, yeah. In 2006, you know? Yeah. And it's like, they're perfectly willing to use him Uh when they need to use him. But at the same time, they also feel threatened by him. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Interesting there. I I, obviously, I have no idea. The doctor has no idea either Mm -hmm. about why, she's chasing him. Um, but it does, I, I do think that it gives a, a funny little, um, reminder that, yeah, we are talking about time travel and yes, the things that happen in the past, even though they might be in the future in your own personal timeline, yeah. you know, do have effects. Uh, and, and we get that conversation about effects on the future and the, the, back to the future, yeah, <laughs> you know, <yeah>. explanation. Um, <laughs> no, oh, the novelization I, of the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course I'm talking about the No, um, actually, and that reminds me, I did want to bring up one other thing because we, we sort of talked about uh, last week, I think, um, you know, sort of the repeated uh, introductions of like the sonic screwdriver and mm-hmm. this and that and the other thing. And I, I love when, when he pulls out the psychic paper and he's like, he gives that, 
again, the, the not quite breaking of the fourth wall of, mm-hmm. oh, I hate having to give explanations, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, to new yeah. people. I hate, I hate having new people to explain things to, yeah. um, you know, and it's, it, I, I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, not, not any, for anything. Right. Real right. There, and, but. and it's that, you know, it's that thing that they do sometimes where it's like, in order to stop the audience from criticizing, you have to beat them to the punch. So instead of right. letting the audience go, oh, isn't this tedious? We have to explain everything to Martha. We know right. all oh, this already. More exposition. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. you have the doctor say, oh, isn't exposition boring? You know, I hate, yeah. I hate it too. You know, like it's almost yeah. like he's in cahoots with the audience. Right, so, right. right. Um, I like that. I, yeah. So I, those are all the things I wanted to bring up Queen Elizabeth for. So, you know. Uh, and, and I think it, it also brings in another idea, which you sort of touched on, which is, um, is it, have we had this before? I think we haven't really, um, even though it's just for a second at the end of this episode, like that plot line kind of is left dangling. It's this idea of with the time travel that you could meet someone out of sequence that your first meeting with them mm. could be not their first meeting with you, <laughs> which is well, a, uh, which with is Martha, a, we had it. Oh, that's true. That's, I totally, totally I forgot mean, that. That's true. It's resolved in the same episode, right, right. but it's, it's right. It, a it, smaller it, it, scale version of that yes, idea. Yeah. So that's, um, that's kind of an interesting. I don't had that. Well, I don't know. Uh, face of Bo. Wouldn't really count, no, I guess, because we see him in the second episode, and that's and then when we see him again later, it's after mm. that, so it's not really. But I want to, I know we'd meet him again, and I'm really, I want to. You're smiling, you're not gonna tell me, no, I, I will wait. All right. So, I, I was gonna bring that up as an example, but that's not a good one because it, it actually is well i mean i'm assuming i doctor hadn't met him before end of the world right uh that we no. know of no but um well we see images of him elsewhere we do not and and i and i want to point out that again your first meeting with someone could be not the same order that they have experience with you so this is the doctor's First, so his third meeting, Queen Elizabeth the first, isn't this amazing? But she already knows who he is. So Mm -hmm. there's this idea that, you know, the Doctor has met the face of, did meet the face of Bo for the first time in the End of the World, but that doesn't necessarily say anything about the face of Bo's experience. He might know more about the Doctor. Maybe and, the third time the Doctor meets him is the first time face of Bo, or something. You know, like it's this idea that the the lives may be not going in the same so, sequence. <laughs> so something that seems prophetic is actually just historical. <laughs> right. It, it right. could be in, right. in that particular instance. It, I think it's like, I Oh, think... Oh, I'm going to meet you again. It's very prophetic. And he, and you're going to speak to me. Well, yeah, it's because it happened a million years ago. Right. And right. you know, <laughs> I think whatever. that is a, a really good thing to sort of put in the back of your mind. Yeah. And I, I'm bringing up Face of Bo just because I'm really curious about him. I realize that could apply to any number of characters, sure. you know, throughout wherever. No, but I, I think Bo is a great example because he's one of the only other characters that's as mythic as the Doctor. That, like, 
we actually really don't know much about him, but he seems mm-hmm. to know a lot about other things. And, you know, he has these... Didn't you say that in New Earth, that he has a secret, which, you know... He's going, he's to, going reveal. to reveal yeah. that, you know, we're still sort of waiting. Some, to and it's out. something about the doctor, right? <clears throat> or you don't want to say. Um, well, I, I, I thought that meant, I don't remember. Yeah, no, exactly I think what he the, says. the, the, the cat nun says the, the legend the is cat. that <laughs> the cat nun is that he will speak his secret to a wanderer, a lonely God like okay. himself. And then he kind of says to the doctor, right, we'll, right. we'll see the... each other again. That's um, the comparison that he makes. You're yeah. right. I forgot about right. that. that. So the it's, implication it's the like is himself. that it's the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm still waiting. I know you warned me about this, but I uh-huh. will bring it up because it's something I need to say. Uh-huh. I did watch Torchwood between <laughs> our our season series two and series three. Uh-huh. I watched it in like three days, like the whole first series of Torchwood. Um, and so at the end of Torchwood... See, this is why we don't watch these shows out of sequence, because we would each be done with Buffy and Doctor Who in a matter of, like, two weeks. Oh, And then I we'd finished, be totally yeah. unequipped to talk about any of this. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, so I watched Torchwood, and at the end of the first series, uh, Captain Jack, who I was really glad to see, although his character is so different, it seems, mm. in that show. Um but he, uh, the presumption is you hear the sound of the TARDIS and then he disappears, mm-hmm. leaving his team behind. Mm-hmm. So the presumption is that he gets onto the TARDIS again at some point. And I'm really curious to know when and if we'll see him in this series. And I know you warned me. I will say this out up front. You warned me that it wouldn't happen right away if it does happen at all. Right. So which is tells me nothing and i know that's why you worded it that way i you, yeah i'm not i'm not as stupid as i but um no so it's 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 a it, you know i so there's the face of bo and and captain jack harkness and i'm really curious i want to see them both again all right and it's annoying me that i haven't yet yeah I'm just throwing that out there. This is like this whole last like five minutes. Probably people stop listening and like, shut up, dude. But it's, I just need to say that. All right. Anyway. So now we're well, over, we're over time. We are. <laughs> as is usual. Yeah, we should probably stop before I am tempted to reveal anything. So we'll. Yeah. Yeah. Just stop oh, there. well. Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, then I guess we will actually, uh, see you all next week then. And, uh, Yeah. All right. All right. See you then.